Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. That was Kurt Vile, who I first heard right here on KUCI. I love this CD. It's called Believin' I'm Going Down. That was track one, Pretty Pimpin'. Hope you're having a great start to your day. I have a big lineup today. Uh, standing by to join us is award-winning historical mystery writer Susan Spann, and she's here to talk about her latest book. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. Thanks so much for calling in. Thank you. So if you could tell the listeners a little bit about your book, that would be wonderful. Yes. Uh, Betrayal at Iga is the fifth in the Hiro Hattori mystery series, although the books are all standalone, so you don't actually have to have read any others. Okay. And Hiro is a master ninja, and he works with Father Mateo, who is a Portuguese Jesuit priest. How do you come up with the ideas for these books? Are they a mix of fiction and nonfiction, or how does that work? Well, the setting is very much nonfiction. It's 16th century Japan, which mm-hmm. was the samurai era. And the characters themselves, Hiro and Father Mateo, are fictitious, as are most of the characters who appear in the books. But every once in a while, a real historical figure will slip in. Like in this book, for example, the most famous ninja of all time, Hattori Hanzo, uh, appears in the book, and he was a great character to write. They seem really educational, you know, even though we're dealing with uh, a mix of fiction, nonfiction, it's very educational. Well, I like to think that it is the fun side of education, meaning mm-hmm. you learn without knowing that you're learning while yes. you're actually enjoying a good story. That's the best. So what inspired you to write books like this? Well, I've loved Japan my whole life, um, basically since I saw the Shogun miniseries back in <laughs> 1980. And I majored in Asian studies in college, Chinese and Japanese history, language, and culture. And then one day I had the idea, which was, what if there was a ninja who solved murders instead of committing them, and uh, ideas flowed from there. I love that idea. Yeah. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. It's a different take on it. Exactly. As you're writing, I'm very fascinated with writing and the whole process of creativity. As you're writing, do you know ahead of time where the story is going, or does it evolve? You know, it's a little bit of both. I actually have an outline for every book, and I have a series outline, so I kind of know where the character's larger series arc is going, even though every book is, is a standalone. But then as I'm writing it, the books always surprise me. Because you, you really don't know sometimes where things are going, like you could just be not writing and things come to you, right? That, you know, that's true. They do. And a really good example of that in this book is that there's a, a character who's a young girl. Her name is Tane, and she is mute. She can't speak. She's a ninja girl. And she wasn't in my original outline. I was literally writing a scene, and she just showed up very early on in the book, in the opening scene, and I went, oh, let's see where she goes. I love that. I kind of envision this. This could be a film. Uh, You know, we would love that, and there's been some interest from film, actually, but not anything I can talk about yet. Right. No, I understand. I understand. What would you like readers to take away from this book? Um, I think two things. I think, first of all, I'd love them to have a great adventure in samurai-era Japan. Mm -hmm. And then I think also I would like them to take away a sense of exploration, a sense of desire to learn more, whether it be about Japan or about ninjas or about something else that intrigues them. But I think that when you read a good book and you finish it, the best thing is then for that book to inspire you to kind of go on to either want to read more or learn more or do more. 
You know, it's funny you're you're talking about Japan because my daughter, who's 15, really wants to go to Japan. That's all she talks about. And I want to take her. But I said, let's maybe go with another family that has gone before. I mean, could you? I know this is off topic, but could you give advice <laughs> about what it's like culturally? You know, it's actually a wonderful experience. And if you know what you want to see... It's actually pretty easy to travel in Japan, even if you don't speak the language and even if you haven't been before. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, there are all kinds of great um, people. For example, there's a group called Kyoto Free Guide who are online, and they are mostly instructors in other capacities who volunteer their time to give one-on-one tours for free to people who are interested in learning more about Japanese cultural sites. So there are lots of resources for people who want to go. That is great. Yes, because she really, really wants to go, and I would like to make that happen. And it's a wonderful, wonderful place. The food is fantastic. The, the sites are just amazing. Well, then we're going to have to do that then. So let me ask you a couple other things. The theme of my show is Get the Funk Out. And from time to time, I've spoken to writers, filmmakers, directors, anyone, and we all go through these ups and downs of creativity, these funks. Do you find yourself having to do certain things to keep yourself, you know, focused on what you it is you want to do or do you have these little lulls in creativity? You know, I think I think you're right. I think we all have them. And for me, I think it's a matter of what I call writing through the mud, which is there are days when I write and I just know that what I'm writing that day is pretty much terrible. <laughs> it's either going to have to get trashed or rewritten. Yes. And a lot of people stop then. They just go, oh, it's not going well. Mm-hmm. And my attitude is I have to go for a certain amount of time on the clock, two hours. Oh, I like that. If, if at the end of two hours it's still feeling funky, you know, the next day I get in and I jump back in and it's still muddy and you keep walking. But, mm-hmm. you know, you just keep going. And what I've discovered is if you don't stop, if you just keep going, then eventually it comes back out into the light again. I have interviewed a lot of authors, and some write short stories. Do you find it harder to just do what you're doing, or did you ever write short stories? You know, I have tried to write short stories in my life, and and a humorous anecdote about that is every short story I've ever tried to write ended up at 30,000 words. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I find short harder. Okay. I know. It's some, what is that expression? It's hard to write a short letter. I don't know. I, Absolutely. You know? It is. Well, it's really fascinating, the whole writing process. Could you talk a little bit about how you get started on a new project? Sure. Um, I always start my next project while I'm working on the last one. Mm-hmm. And that's because I do re- a lot of reading research. Um, each of my books is set in a different aspect of the Japanese culture. So, for example, this one's in a ninja village. The next one takes place on top of a sacred mountain. And so I will start by doing reading. Well, I'm polishing the edits on the previous book. I'll start doing my background reading research. And then I'll very often take a trip to Japan so that I can visit the places I'm writing about. Fantastic. And then I'll write an outline and then dive into the, to the draft. Oh, I love that process. You really do have to go there to get involved in the characters and what you're doing. You know, it is possible to do without, but what I've discovered is that when I go, because there are so many places from the 16th century that still exist in Japan, Mm -hmm. and quite a few of the foods that were big then are still being served in some way in some places. Oh, really? 
Yeah, so I can go over there and really experience a lot of the things that my characters would have experienced, and I find that that adds a lot of depth. I'm curious, what things do they still serve that they served back then? Um, There are a number of noodle dishes that are very, very similar. Mm -hmm. Uh, The idea of serving sashimi, the idea of serving raw fish, has actually been going on for hundreds of years over there, and so... A lot of the, there are certain chefs who still specialize in serving these old versions of the dishes. That's great. Yeah, so you can go and find maybe not exactly what it was in the 16th century, but pretty close in some places. Do you have an idea of the other series? I think you might have touched on that. Do you have, you said you have other ideas for additional books? I do. I have a series outline that just kind of touches on where my characters are are going in terms of the places in the culture that I'd like to see, and then also the development that the detective characters will have over the course of the books. And so I have about 12 more books that I've got uh, that I've got outlined. You're going to be busy. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) That's fantastic. What is the uh, minimum age for the readers, would you say? Um, well, they are written to be adult books, so of course they deal with adult themes. There are, you know, murders, and there's some combat, and there's mm-hmm. some, you know, things. But what I tend to tell people is uh, 14 or 15 and up, um, there, it's fine. Okay. Under 14, what I tell people is, um, because I do have some 12 to 13-year-olds that, that read the books who I get emails from who love them, what I say is, you know, Parents know their children best, so if you've got a, a tween who you think might be interested in the books, um, there's no sex in them. There's not going to be sex in them, so that's, you know, okay. it's just, it's quote-unquote just violence. So just parents, violence. check it out yourself, and if you think it's appropriate, then let them read. Right. I'll have somebody running in my room in the middle of the night, <laughs> <laughs> sleeping with lights exactly. on. <laughs> uh, where can people find out more about you? Uh, my website is susanspan.com, and we are actually doing a big renovation on the website, so if it's a little iffy over the next week or two, it will be there. It's uh, susanspan, S-P-A-N-N.com, or you can go to my publisher's website, which is 7th Street Books, and uh, the books are available online and at any bookstore where you can order a book. Fantastic, and I know you're on Twitter because I found you there. Oh, yes, I am. Sorry. I'm also on Twitter at Susan Spann and on Facebook, Susan Spann Books. Fantastic. What would you like readers to take away? Just a little last bit of advice for them. You know, I think the best thing is that my books and my writing grew for me out of a real passion for Japanese culture Mm -hmm. and, and reading. I love to read. And so what I would say to people is read. Read whatever you love, read about whatever you love, and then if you have a passion to do something or write something or explore something in your life, go do it. It's not too late, no matter who or where you are. I love it, and I'm going to have to take that trip to Japan now. Absolutely, absolutely, and let me know if you want any uh, advice or help on things to see. Oh, I will. Now I know who to call. I mean it. Oh, absolutely. I love it. I help people with trips like that all the time. Oh, wonderful. All right. My daughter will be like, let her come with us. (laughs) All right, Susan, thank you so much for calling into the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. Congrats on your book. Thank you again. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. That was Susan Spann calling in to talk about her book, Betrayal at Ega. If you missed any part of this, it is up on my blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org, and the complete podcast will be up within an hour after I wrap. I want to let you know I am on Twitter at MomsRock, M-O-M-Z underscore Rock, and 
KUCI is on Twitter at KUCI-FM. We're on Instagram at KUCI-FM. Tumblr, blog.kuci.org. And we're on Facebook, KUCI 88.9. So we'll take a little break. And I have three other guests calling in. My next guest is Bryce Hoffman, who's going to talk about his latest book, Red Teaming. He's going to join us in just a bit. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. 